This episode is brought to you by Blueprint Renovate Program, the program designed to create space in your firm to cultivate mindset change through what you do every day. Visit blueprinthq.com.au slash contact to start the conversation. Welcome to Conversations with Sam Dean. I'm Sam Dean and I'm excited to have you here to explore the conversations that accountants and advisors can have with their clients to cultivate business mastery. All the notes and links for the show can be found at blueprinthq.com.au slash podcast. Let's start a conversation. Well, hello and welcome back to episode nine. Today I'm going to sort of debrief on the conversation with Greg Gunther last week and I thought he brought up some pretty significant points there that I would like to drill down on. So the main points that I took away, which I think all link to the main topic of redundancy and finding your key, getting your passion back into your business and back into your business owners, is number one, we have to acknowledge that we are in business whether we're an owner of a firm or um, as an employee. And what are the skills and how do we grow our skills as a business owner or potential business owner? The two skill sets that were mentioned um, in this episode were people, so recruiting for growth, um, both from a capacity point of view and also recruiting from a point of view of um, redundancy for yourselves as well. And then the third one, The third point um, and second skill is marketing and Greg sort of drilled it down a bit on that. I'm going to spend some time undoing that and and drilling down on marketing and what it actually means and how we might be able to do it in our practice without spending the big money. That leads on to the fourth important point of collaboration. So how can we actually start collaborating with a network of um, other professional services people or other businesses that can first of all, help us with referrals or help us in actually delivering some of the services that our clients actually need. The fifth point, which I think also goes up into the marketing as well, is around the value conversations and drilling down on what is actually valuable to our clients. Greg also obviously brought up the the topic around input or time pricing um, versus uh, value pricing which is something that we will have to discuss and drill down on a little bit further. And also actually finding out what the client does value and then delivering to that. The last and final point, which is I think the whole point of the the conversation, is around redundancy and how do we actually make ourselves redundant within the business to help with the growth of the business and then ultimately help our clients with that. So let's start drilling down on the first topic is around business and that we are actually in business and how we actually need to maybe spend a little bit more time thinking about this. When you sort of drill down on what are the business skills that are needed when you are in business, a simple Google search will give you the main areas. So leadership, sales, marketing, people, operations, financial management, client services or product delivery. I think being technicians, we have the last bit um, under control and I'll assume that your systems and processes are in place to do this. And the finance skills, obviously, should be under control as well. But overall, there's quite a broad range of skill sets in those very basic skills. And I think the two that we need to drill down on today, given last week's discussions, are around the marketing and the people elements of that. 
I don't know about you, but those two areas are probably where I struggled and still sometimes do, particularly in the sales and marketing area, struggle. And then the people element. People is so important for obvious reasons because without people, you don't actually have a business. The particular skill that we talked about last week in regards to people is the recruiting skills. Um, we're not necessarily taught this, and I think t- particularly as technicians, as I think I mentioned last week as well, we actually look at the capacity and what we need to do and we kind of throw people at that without sort of really clearly defining the role. So I want to give you some tips and tricks on um, some actions that you can take thinking about this. This also leads to that ultimate goal of making yourself perhaps a little bit more redundant. So if you are feeling like you need to grow your staff, this is an exercise that um, I have gone through, I continue to go through, and that we also go through with our clients. So first of all, track what you're doing over the next week. So actually, we'll put a resource up on the website um, in the notes of this, but basically it's fairly simple. Just write down what you do every day, and this is into tasks, so it's not just what you put on your timesheets. It's okay, today I did some administration on my insurance. You know, task all of that stuff down. Then do that over a set period of time, and it's simple as maybe even just having a notebook and you just write down exactly what you did, what sort of telephone calls that you took. Then take that information and pop it into something that basically says these are administration tasks, these are things that I've learned that I'm pretty good at, and then um, what's the magic and, and where do I actually want to be? And then you can actually start looking at some of the tasks and roles that you are actually performing throughout the week or two. What you can then start doing is really developing a list of tasks that you want to have someone else do. So you can look at your types of people that you might actually need to introduce. So if you're doing a lot of administration, then maybe you need an administration person rather than another accountant. Also have your, your senior, if you have do have staff, get your senior accountants um, and senior administration people to do this as well and see what jobs they're doing that they perhaps shouldn't be doing or are better utilised in other areas. Do you find that a lot of our technicians and our main income earners spend a lot of time in administration tasks that can probably be better done and more efficiently done by other people? But it's very, as Greg said last week, it's very important to get clear on what these roles are and what the tasks actually are. I know this does seem rather time-consuming at the moment, but I can tell you the time that you take here will be saved tenfold, maybe even twentyfold, it's hard to track, rather than either recruiting uh, people into the wrong roles so so they don't know what they're doing, so that they then either move on or you have frustration around that. What it also does is get you very clear in the role that you want and what the type of person that perhaps that you might need. So whether you're using a recruiter or you're doing this yourself or your um, HR person's doing it, they're very clear then on what they need and then that can easily be communicated. Another tip in this is to actually go through the list of tasks that you've undertaken or what you might get someone else to do for you and see if there's some stuff there that just simply doesn't have to be done or that that can actually be replaced by technology. Sometimes throwing more people at it is not necessarily the best solution. We need to really create that space and see how we can actually make this all more efficient. 
The next step in the recruiting skills from that is actually the onboarding. So once you've got the role defined, the person in place, you need to actually have procedures that they can actually follow, not just by themselves. So take the tasks, etc., that you have had from the brainstorm that you did around what that you want these people, the new role to actually do, and then actually make sure that there's some written processes in that. Now, if you haven't got them and you have recruited somebody, when you're teaching that new person, make sure that you write all the steps down or get them to take notes and then go through those notes and actually make them into the procedure. So next time someone actually has to train the job, that they're actually done. Again, once this is finished, take the time to look back on those and say, is that actually the best and most innovative way that those procedures um, can be done? Is there anything that we could improve? Or if you've written down five tasks, is, is it actually more, you know, are there some steps in there that are missing? So you want to be able to actually go through a process with anybody and see that they can actually um, do it. People and the skills around people is a very, very big topic and skill set. What I want you to take away from this podcast today is that be very clear on what you want your people to do. Be clear, very clear on what you do and very clear on what they do. If you can get those rules and an understanding of that throughout your, your own mind and then your business, then the other skills that you need to learn later on can be made. But until you have clarity of role and you're clear on what that role is, you can't performance manage it or even know if you've been successful and it's a constant frustration. So no matter how many soft skills that you learn in communication and conversation, etc., unless you're very clear on what you want your people to do and you want yourself to actually do, you're going to come unstuck. So get clarity first. Okay, let's jump to marketing. I agree with Greg here. There can be a lot of money spent and a lot of time spent on marketing. And I think that we do look to other people and business growth people to help us with that. And I am an absolute believer in it is actually who rather than that, how sometimes. But marketing like even the people skills that we were talking about um, earlier, is really about clarity. And if you look at the actual definition of, you've got to get really clear on what you want from marketing and what marketing actually means to you. Marketing by definition is an activity and processes for creating, communicating, delivering, and exchanging offerings that have value for the customers, clients, and partners, and the market at large. Now, that's quite a big topic but if you think about it, it doesn't necessarily mean that you even have to go external for that. It can be actually internal. You've got to get really clear in what is the message and the communication that you want to get into your clients, your staff, who are going to be your biggest marketing, hopefully, and also to the market at large. So what is the message? And I think I really love what Greg says and absolutely agree with him. First of all, you've got to get into your business and say, what is the actual problem that we are solving? Really establish that. Now, if you have an existing tax compliance business, start there. What is the problem that we actually solve? Now, I know you're going to answer this with something like, we get people's tax returns lodged or we make sure that their buses and their tax lodgements are up to date. And that's really important, but it's not actually the problem you're solving for the client. The actual, in some instances, it will be if people have the understanding, but you actually have to get into what is the problem that 
the client or the people that you're servicing want solved. Now, often when you drill into this, it takes four or five questions, but what we normally find is people actually just want to feel safe. They want to know that everything's up to date and we need to actually get to the point of what's important to them. And if they don't actually understand the problem or they don't think that that problem is important or emotive, we do have to spend some time in conversation actually getting to them and actually, you know, getting them to understand the importance of it. So I think I might have mentioned last week, it's really, you know, we're really getting slammed at the moment and people often talking to me, well, they don't value the bookkeeping work that I do or the tax compliance work that I do. Um, you know, we're getting drilled on price, etc. It's because we don't actually understand the value to our clients ourselves or we understand it, and but we haven't been able to communicate it or get passionate and excited about it to actually educate our clients as to why this problem is so important and the value needs to be solved. I think for me, the tax compliance pieces in particular are so important and we we spend so much time um, doing it and it is extremely valuable because if they've grown their businesses or they're about to grow businesses or they've got wealth, if they haven't protected it, the compliance, etc., is not up to date, then they could lose that or there's a lot of stress involved. There's a lot of mental health issues around, oh, I'm not really sure if I'm up to date or I haven't got my, um, you know, my bus is a lodge, but I'm not really sure what that means, etc., etc. So we have to actually spend some time really drilling down in what the problems that we're solving. And quite often in this space, the problem we're solving is not the lodgement of the tax return. That's a result of it. It's a solution. The problem we're solving is people are feeling either uneducated in this area or they're feeling unsafe in this area because they just don't know. So we have to find a way to... So actually maybe the problem that we need to solve is that people really understand what we do and then they will actually value it. And this is this sounds really simple, and it is simple, but it's not necessarily easy. It's quite hard to take a complex matter, a complicated matter, and actually then turn it into simple so we can actually market and educate that message to our clients. I think when we market, particularly in the tax um, and advisory areas around the protection space, we kind of list out what our solutions are. We're not marketing to what the problem is. So we need to actually understand what the problem is from a client's perspective and then actually spend some time on that. So some practical tips on how to do that is to actually find out from your client base, your existing client base, and you do this through conversation. Where are you at? Ask some questions around, you know, is it important to you that your tax is minimized, for instance, and how do you think you're going at that? This is an extremely hard question for us to ask, obviously, if, you know, we do tax. Um, because it is a really interesting question and sometimes people go back, yeah, that's really important to me and I don't know how I'm going at that, which means that the problem isn't necessarily the lodgement of the tax returns. The problem is they don't know. You have, we haven't spent the time to actually explain to them what we've actually done to minimise their tax. You know, sometimes the problem might not even be that. We have to actually establish the problem. That's what marketing is all about, is communication. So that's your existing services. So it's very important for you to really get clear on what the problem is that you're solving in your existing services and how you might be able to communicate and market that better. And if you sort of got that under control, then, you know, Greg talked about being in a startup phase, but I think in accounting firms um, or any professional services firms at the moment, when we've been told to add services to it, this is kind of like a mini startup stage that Greg was talking about. 
And you've got to, before you put any products um, or services out there that are new, even if you're an accounting firm and maybe putting a bookkeeping service in um, or you are thinking about being more strategic in your tax planning products um, or structuring products, or even if you're going into the more growth or CFO, virtual CFO style of products, this is where you've got to be super clear in what the problems um, that you're solving with those new products. And you need to go and test that with your existing clients and to find out what's actually important to them. And so you can really understand the problems that they're having and make sure you can connect back your new products to that before you spend any money on external marketing or external content, etc. Um, and I think this is why we do spend some time and money and we don't feel that we get the value out of marketing because we don't have the clarity of what we want to get out of it, what it actually is, and what the problem that we're actually solving. So if you can do that, um, you can go a, a long way to um, saving time and money. I'll give you a quick example of this. Early on in um, my transition from compliance into advisory, now we're going back a decade or so here now, I, um, you know, we're told to put in three by three forecasts and cash flows and we just put it in. And I understood that the clients really needed that. But then, you know, when I started to sort of put it out there like you would as a normal tax accountant, you kind of, because as a tax accountant, people know really um, that, you know, you have to come in every year and they tend to come every year. But for those sort of additional services, you have to educate around them. And because I kind of just went into it and said, okay, guys, you, you know, new clients or existing clients, you need budgets and you need cash flows and it's really important that you do this. I wasn't really questioning them and finding out what's important to them and then connecting why they need cash flows and budgets to solve that problem. I definitely, you know, got work, you know, when people were already in a reactive urgent state, but it wasn't until I really started to get in finding out what was important to them, what was the problems that they actually wanted solved, and then connecting back without using the technical terms of cash flow and budgets, etc., back to those. So the example would be um, a client who on the surface is, their problem is they can't meet their regular bass um, payments. Then you think, oh, well, they need a budget, they need some cash flow forecasting, and you know, the problem that we're solving is they can't meet their BAS payments. Well, when you drill down to it, that's not something that actually emotionally and it's not the problem that they that is actually. The problem is that they're spending too much money. They're not they're earning they're not putting aside the money for their buses. So they're not either clearly understanding that the money has to go aside uh, or they've got other cash flow pressures that they're basically using in the ATO as a as a funding mechanism for or there might be something else going on. So if you don't get to the bottom of that problem and solve that problem, uh, it's always going to be a struggle for you to actually get them to actually um, understand the value of budgets and, and forecasting. And usually when you get down, you really drill down to the problem, um, you know, using real-life examples. The problem could be that their reporting function and that their accounts are a mess and that, they just don't have clarity or, or they can't really see where their money is. So they're just spending money hand over fist on their personal um, expenditure without really understanding the implications of that. So it actually might be that they need more um, help around bookkeeping and up to date and actually getting their bookkeeping 
working as opposed to maybe cash flows and budgets, which sometimes are a little bit too late. So it's really important to be able to get to that so you can really get clarity of understanding of what the problems are. If you do this a few times with your clients, you might see that the problems are a little bit different, the solutions are a little bit different than what those ones that you actually want to, so you might need to actually tweak your offering. But from a marketing perspective, you've got to get very clear on them what the problems are and then market to that. People are looking for solutions for their problems. They're not looking for products. So then going on to the next um, topic, which was collaboration and relationships. This really leads nicely from what we were just talking about from a marketing perspective. Once you get really clear on the problems that you're solving, then when you start going and building networks and relationships, you've got a very much um, a really clear conversation piece to have with other providers. Also, you want the other providers to have the same clarity. So it's kind of like a, you know, building networking relationships. I always kind of used to get frustrated and not really understand why it either took long or they weren't, you didn't get the referrals that you thought you would. It's because first of all, I don't think I was super clear on what my offerings were and what the problems I'm solving. And then also I wasn't over, I didn't listen enough and wasn't curious enough to what theirs were as well. So to build relationships, you've really got to connect first before you can do that. And this is a really important skill. So next time that you're actually starting to look at collaborating with somebody or you're at a networking event and you're thinking, well, you know, I need estate planning lawyers or I'm building relationships with financial planners, just sit down and ask them what the problems that they're solving and then see if they're actually curious also back to you and ask them, you know, they ask reciprocal questions because if they're all they talk about is their solutions and not the problems that they were solving, they might not be the right fit for you. So this is a really important, some very important skill sets that look to the collaborative and the relationships that you build. And I think we spend a lot of time when we actually actually understand the importance of this, but how do we actually make the actual relationship and collaboration and network building a little bit more efficient? And that's when you go to back to some of those expert to advisory mindsets that you're talking about, and you need to come up with a little system that you can test and see where people are at. If people are only going to talk about themselves and not listen and be curious, which are two of the key skills, what are they going to do with your clients and what's the collaboration in that? Also here, like the recruiting skills that you looked for roles in your with your staff roles and positions, you also need to look at this too. So you need to look at say, well, what are the problems that I'm hearing from my clients that I do need um, filled out and who can help me with that because relationships are two two ways and you need to get people who are on the same mindset and the same pathway as you, particularly if you want to be that central collaboration um, advisor for your clients, not just a end user. Also, you know, working with networks, this does form part of your marketing strategy so you've got to be super clear with your people in your network or the people with the network that your client is, what it is, you know, going back to the marketing, what it is that the problem that you're going to solve and that you solve and does that problem, if they're very clear on that, when that's, they see that coming over, it's very easy for them to actually refer. 
but also then relationships and collaborations and everything is very consistent. It's not a once done. It's a constant build of relationship. So that does mean going out to lunch um, or having coffees or just having quick check-ins every so often to, to keep – it's like sales. It's to keep that um, that front of mind going and getting them on your um, – you know, getting them to talk to your clients and actually to give back what, what, what you do need when you're building the relationships and the collaborations. The last sort of separate point, if you like, was that conversation piece around um, value and pricing, so input pricing versus um, value value pricing. This is such a huge topic. I'm not going to spend a hell of a lot of time on it because it's a whole um, topic to discuss. But I think the key here is just to really get clear on what value pricing means. First of all, you've got to actually – it's the value to the client, and the value to the client is quite often not in dollars. It's actually in a mode of filling. So, you know, there's a lot of definitions in value pricing, but what I what I really want you to think about is what does it actually mean to you? For me, it's what is the value that we give back, and that's, as I just said, it's not necessarily always monetary. But if someone really values something and they're going to pay reasonable money for it, but if you're, um, I think, in the mindsets that we are, first of all, get very clear for yourself and value what you actually do and then value what you can potentially do for your clients. Don't worry about the pricing right now. Just really value what you do and start to get excited about it. And then later on in the next few weeks, we'll actually work through um, some of the the ins and outs of value pricing. One thing I do want to sort of reiterate on just on that um, topic is that you still need to really, I feel, keep timesheets to understand what some of the, the new products and services are costing you. You should never use the timesheets and the actual hourly rates, etc. That's your costing for the job um, and what you can actually do the job for. The actual pricing for the job and their value billing, if you like, is what the clients are actually willing to pay or what the market's willing to pay. So I don't think we should get rid of timesheets, but it's the way we use them is what should actually change here. But my first tip to you around this is to really start valuing what you do and then actually find out what your clients value. Then start the momentous topic of value billing versus input or time um, billing. To go back to the final the final point of making yourself redundant in your business and maybe reigniting your passion, um, I think this is also a nice summary point of what we just um, worked through. First of all, really make sure that you understand that you are in business. Understand what your role and what you want to actually do in the business and then use the steps that we went through in people to be very clear on where you want to go. Now, even if you're not thinking about getting staff on, I suggest you do that exercise anyhow. And you might be surprised. It also will give you a goal to get to, to say, well, by the end of the year, perhaps I want somebody else doing this work so I can concentrate on the stuff that really makes me happy over here, whatever that may be. And then, too, I think that if you work through that, and then you work through what we went through in marketing and really get clear on what your clients' problems are and what you can solve. And these aren't things that need to take a super amount of time, but if there's something that you can consistently, when you're talking to clients and finding out what their problems are, 
it will make the marketing and get you much more clear in that. It will also then, I think, going through those exercises when you actually start having conversations and getting clear on what the problems that you're solving, it, it will actually give you a little bit more passion as well because you'll see that you have the skill sets and you might get that passion reignited and start valuing back to what you do. So then when the pricing situations and everything come up, you know, you've really got a very good conversation to have. And also get that collaboration going with the networks as well because particularly if you're in business on your own or um, you're the only business owner in, in your business, if you start building networks with other business owners in other professional services, it could actually give you some support as well, some other people to think to talk to about the problems of running the professional services businesses because most of your network will be full of that. And even if you don't own the businesses, you'll be networking with people who might be in similar positions to you so you can actually have conversations around that as well, which will give you some support and also goes to making ultimately redundant. Just remember, though, that the goal of redundancy is not necessarily to leave or exit the business. It's to grow the business and actually to give you more space around what you do every day. And I know from experience and I know um, that this is a struggle that we have is the more space that you create for yourself within your business and the more time you have to spend some time on some of the points that we've gone through today and what Greg was talking about, the, um, the happier you will actually be in your business and to reignite that passion. Anyhow, thank you again so much for listening. I really appreciate it. I would also love it if you could give us a bit of a review. That would be fantastic to see how we're going. Please also contact us, um, info at blueprinthq.com.au. If you had any queries or any further thoughts on some of the topics that we covered today or in, in previous, I'd really appreciate that. We would love to hear from you what your problems are and how we might be able to help solve them or obviously if we can't solve them we'll find someone who might be able to help and yeah continue the conversation be brave thank you so much for listening i hope you enjoyed that conversation to check out more information on all things sandine and blueprint go to the website blueprinthq.com.au and remember continue the conversation and be brave see you next time